Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Clowater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. The Gospel from Luke, the 15th chapter. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons, The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in desolate living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing, so he asked one of the slaves, What is going on? The slave said, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has got him back safe and sound. Then the elder son became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But the elder son answered to his father, Listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you, and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you haven't given me even a young goat that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him? Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we've had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. Grace and peace to you, my friends in Christ. My brothers and sisters in Christ, after a reading like that, Uh, So I know that sometimes there are messages that I just see out in the world, and I I don't know if you can relate to this, but you you might see something, you're like, wow, that that just makes you stop and pause and and just kind of like wonder like what the Holy Spirit is up to. Uh, I was in Duluth on Monday for Labor Day. We took all the kids up there and just spent the day, uh, you know, throwing rocks in Lake Superior. And the kids, of course, the only way to get them away from the lake of throwing rocks into Lake Superior was to do some other form of bribery because they would have just stayed there all day. So we had to go get them ice cream. So we drove into town and we found an ice cream parlor. And as we're sitting outside the ice cream parlor, I noticed this 
interesting sticker on a light pole, and it said, uh, this is not a judgment-free zone, and then you see a picture of the earth, but it's a pretty good place to practice forgiveness. I thought, wow, what a powerful message as my brain was already spinning and thinking about this parable today, thinking about how, in many ways, Jesus does a really masterful job of teaching through these really challenging lessons, especially through parables. Because oftentimes, I think our first judgment, whenever we read a story like this, is like, oh, okay, that's what this is all about. And oftentimes, that's just barely scratching the surface of the meaning, of the meaning that Jesus had intended. Uh, often, when we dig even deeper, we'll notice that Jesus is offering us an abundance of what we're really looking for. Maybe that's grace or love, or in this case, this reminder of forgiveness. For example, last week on Labor Day weekend, I preached about the parable of the Good Samaritan. I was talking about how, you know, in case you missed it, I I was talking about how in the chapter before we hear the parable, the people of Samaria have rejected Jesus and his disciples. And the disciples are so upset by their rejection that they actually turn to Jesus and they ask him if it's okay for them to command fire to come down from heaven and consume the people of Samaria. It's like, what? I mean, it's a pretty drastic conclusion for them to come to. Uh, so Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, is like, no, 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 guys, uh, not today. That, that's a little bit of an extreme response. But the seed has been planted, and Jesus is thinking about this. So as he's telling the story about the Good Samaritan, about this famous story of a man left beside the side of the road, left for dead, wouldn't you know that the hero of that story just so happens to be a man from Samaria, like this place that the disciples were intent on, like they are so bad that we just got to wipe them off the face of the earth. And that left us perhaps with a really difficult, maybe uneasy uh, place to be. Because then I asked the question, if that story were going to play out for us, for you and me today, who would be your neighbor? Like who would be that person that you would be the most surprised was going to be there to offer you help to get you out of the ditch? Would you be willing to forgive that neighbor if you had judged them in the past? Perhaps you had assumed that that's the neighbor who would never offer to help you get out of that ditch. So I think a new perspective and a new shift, a new mindset is going to be helpful, especially in a new parable. So like today, as we look up this one, this story is a few chapters later in Luke's telling, but they are intricately connected. The message that Jesus is trying to tell is one that I think uh, is powerful. And perhaps you've heard this one before, right? You've heard this story that, uh, that Nina and Lydia and I just read. Oftentimes you hear this parable and it's, it's uh, got these characters and you've got our, your judgments and you think, well, this is what this story is about, which is great. Like I, maybe this is a story that's helped lift you through different times in your lives. Maybe you have an emotional response when you hear about that younger son because you're drawn to his story thinking, wow, I can relate. Maybe that's because of addiction or feelings of loneliness or unworthiness. You couldn't possibly face God again, and yet you did, and then you realized God's love was there for you. Or you're drawn to that character of the older son, that just life is not fair. How come the older son is punished? This just doesn't sit well with you. But like most parables, there's more to the story. And it actually, in my opinion, begins with the title, often referred to as the parable of the... Prodigal son, right? Well, prodigal, what's that mean? Well, prodigal is someone who's reckless, extravagant, way over the top, right? This is, in truth, it's a great title because we see that play out, but do we see that play out in the way that we think? Uh, Because in truth, 
I think a better title is actually one that includes both brothers. And this is really small. You don't have to read it. I'm just trying to show you how this gets laid out here. It's often titled the parable of the prodigal son, but in the NRSV it says, well, it's the parable of the prodigal and his brother. And in actuality, I think it's an even better title to think about it as the parable of the father and two sons, because there's a little bit going on here. And Jesus is a storyteller, right? Jesus is someone who can really lay into the details, lay it on really thick. And Jesus, as he's telling this, this story, he spares no embellishment again because he's trying to make his point get hit home. And so who's his audience? Well, for the parable of the Good Samaritan, his audience was this lawyer and his disciples. It wasn't the Pharisees, but it was, it was just this lawyer who comes and asks him this question. But for the story of the parable of the, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal and his brother, it's the Pharisees and the scribes, right? The religious elite who are there. They're the ones around him. But there's another interesting little detail is who else is there? Who is at the scene of the storytelling? The tax collectors and the sinners. Huh, that's interesting. I wonder if that matters. Well, let's find out. So as this story begins... Let's just be honest. Jesus begins with the biggest embellishment. It's an outright lie, right? Like he just begins telling this story in a way that would be so offensive and so just unrealistic that those who are listening would think it just, how could this even be possible? Because the younger son going to his father, asking for a share of his property, would never happen. It's not modern times where if someone dies, the property gets divvied out by each kid getting their own equal share of the, of the property. No, no, no. This is first century Israel, which means that the younger son is owed nothing at all. It's a ridiculous request for him to even have the audacity to say, Dad, give me what I am owed, because really he doesn't deserve anything. When Daddy dies, it's all going to the older brother. So we have to get over that little detail. We have to just kind of let our minds imagine, okay, well, maybe the, the dad in this story is going to give him a little bit of something, which, of course, as a prodigal, as an extravagant son, he's going to blow it right away, like literally epically blow it, like just went to Vegas and doesn't even have any clothes on his back, blows it. He doesn't have a thing left. And so when a famine strikes, Jesus throws us another whopper. He gives us a detail to this story that's so out of, just out of context, awful, that there's no way this is possible. But This broke son is so desperate that he is going to eat anything and work for anyone. So he ends up coming across a farm, and he decides to go to work with some of these guys. Right? Pigs? Pigs in the mud? It doesn't really strike us as a big deal, right? We don't necessarily understand the cultures and customs. For a Jewish man, this would have been like the lowest of the low of the low. Like you don't work with pigs. Pigs are unclean. Pigs are not kosher. You don't, you don't even imagine that this would be a detail that you would share in a story. I, I can imagine hearing the gasps in the room when Jesus says, and he worked for the pigs. And he like lived with the pigs. It's a small detail to us, but put yourselves in the shoes of the sandals of the scribes, Right? They're trying to put down every detail as Jesus is writing, and, he, and they're just blown away. But what happens to the son? You know, after all of this, he kind of comes to his senses, and he's like, all right, I'm ready to return home. And that's when Jesus gives us a different character with a different response that would have also been completely, completely inappropriate. 
the dad seeing his son off in the distance. To you and me, we think, oh, yes, I'm so glad that my son has returned home. Not in first century Israel. This isn't what you do. In an honor and shame-based society, you wait for your son to come to you and bow down to you and ask and plead for forgiveness, not the other way around. The father runs out to him, runs and dashes, and this is not what a man would do in this setting. In fact, in the Arabic translations of the Bible, they refuse to translate that the father ran. You're thinking to yourself, why? Like, what's so bad about that? Because running in public in that culture is so humiliating that to attach that attribute to a person who symbolizes God would be unthinkable. Jesus, you are too much for us. This story is so ridiculous. What are we supposed to get out of this? Well, perhaps it's this final brother. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I, when I talk about this story with people, they're like, yeah, that, that older brother really got the short end of the stick. But does he? Does the older brother really represent the characteristics and the qualities that, that we want to feel bad for? Feel, feel sorry for him at your own risk because the older brother, when he skips out of the party, do you think he's doing it to shame his brother? He's actually doing it to shame his dad. He's actually causing grave embarrassment to his own father by doing this. In fact, he's being dishonorable and disobedient to his dad. You could argue that the the actions of the elder son are just as selfish and perhaps just as egregious as what happens with the younger son. But another interesting move happens because the father who had left and ran to get to his younger son actually leaves the party. Honor and shame, you don't leave your party. You don't cause that type of an embarrassment. He actually runs out to find his other son and reminds that son, look, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. So during Bible study this past week, as we went through all of these details and we're trying to unpack everything, one of the listeners who had been there the week before as we talked about the parable of the Good Samaritan, you could literally see the light bulb go off in her head. She said, Pastor John, I, I, I get it. I said, well, enlighten us. What's going on? She's like, the, younger, the older son is actually representative of the Israelites, especially the Pharisees, the chosen people. And the younger son is the outsiders, the Gentiles, the non-chosen ones. And I said, yeah. And just even think about it a little bit deeper. Who's sitting around Jesus that day? It's not just the insiders. It's not just the Pharisees. But it's the tax collectors and sinners are right there too. Imagine how they felt hearing a story like this that places them in God's kingdom. How do you think the tax collectors and sinners felt knowing that all of a sudden they've got this rush of adrenaline that someone is telling them that they have hope, that they are seen as a human, that they are welcome in this kingdom? What about the Pharisees? How unsettling it is to be told that you're on the same level as those people. And yet Jesus reminds us that this kingdom, this party, this feast, it's for the unclean sinner and it's for you, it's for me, it's for all of the chosen ones, it's for those who've been there since the covenants of Abraham and wandering in the wilderness of Moses. This is an invitation when we open up the Bible, the Bible is an invitation to be able to 
meet the things that we crave the most. In the Bible, as we read these stories that Jesus is telling us, we, we find out about love and forgiveness and mercy and righteousness and compassion and grace. They're all right there coming off the sheets as we are reading it. It belongs to us. And it belongs to us not for the sake of someone else. My neighbor doesn't have to lose in order for me to win. Sometimes we have that backwards. So what could this parable be telling us today, Faith Lutheran? What are we to take out of this as brothers and sisters in Christ with these unique relationships that we have, these unique dynamics with all the wisdom that we have in our congregation? We have older members and younger members. We have newer members and at-home members. We have in-person attenders and we have visitors and we have curious bystanders. We have the community looking at us. And we are a family. We are all interconnected within this family. And so this parable gives us permission. So if you're new to this place or if you're watching us from home and you've put your relationship with God on the back burner, know that God, as the parent in this parable, is welcoming you with open arms. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've been thinking, your words, your actions, no matter what's on your heart, if you think it's unforgivable, the creator of the universe is telling you today that you are alive. You were lost but now found. Hallelujah. We're glad you're with us today. But if you've been around this place for a while, there's good news for you too. God, the parent in this parable, is reminding you that this grace that we are given, it's not like a pie. I don't know if this happens in your households, but like if we cut up a piece of pie, there's a whole lot of measuring up. The parable of the prodigal son and his brother is definitely in full force. Like, you got a bigger piece than I did. No, I got a bigger, I got a smaller piece. And then they're all saying they've got the bigger piece. This parable is played out in my household almost every time we have dessert. The good news of Jesus is that that pie doesn't run out. God's love and grace, it's, it's not a countable asset that we have to hoard. But we do. We, we're full of judgment. Life can be full of judgment. We judge both of the sons in the story. We judge the reckless actions of the father. We judge the person sitting next to us. We do it with our eyes, with our ears, sometimes with our noses. I mean, so the challenge then is to go beyond our first impression. It's to practice forgiveness. It's to practice grace. It's to practice love. And every time when we think we got it all figured out, that's when we do it again. We repeat. Try it again. It's an invitation to be open to that kind of love that God offers us and then to share that kind of grace with the world, to be grace-filled with ourselves. Oftentimes, we're the hardest on ourselves, aren't we? This God runs to us. This God says, look, I love you no matter what. So the story of the prodigal son, we're like the prodigal God. Reckless, extravagant, over-the-top grace? Yes! Sign me up. That's the, that's the kind of love from God that I want. We don't, deserve this. we don't deserve it, but here it is. There's a slice for you, 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 even you, even you. Help yourself. The grace of Christ won't run out.
And the good news, there's plenty to share. Amen. Well, that's it for this week's sermon. Thank you for joining us. Look for more information on faithfl.org or certainly reach out to the office if you would like to receive weekly email updates. Thank you.